like Juliet Naked. I'm looking at his like IMDb list. Juliet Naked in 2018 was like the beginning of the the Hawkesons. Brunch, hit it, boys. I just hit record because we were complaining about our respective skin issues. I was like, ooh, this is good content. And then I, re- as soon as I hit record, I was like, I'm just saying, hey, Pete, your skin's worse than yeah, mine. Yeah, fuck isn't off. What I, isn't what I was going for. It was more like I was uh, kind of trying to use your culture as my costume because yeah, I was like, right. hey, I got some. It's cool, though, that like your body, it's not cool. We were discussing the other day the various ways in which uh, your body tells you that you're stressed. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, you're like, I didn't need to be told by my body. My brain's been here the whole time. It has yeah. known that I'm stressed. Yeah, was that the conversation that we had as a result of um, like memory loss? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, I had the realization this week that like when I'm feeling depressed, uh, or I am depressed, that my memory goes to shit, and like I just go days at a time without really. Re- remembering or like recognizing anything that I'm doing. And then like at the end of two days, three days, I can look back and be like, what the fuck did I do over the past two days? And it's just like aimlessly going through, uh, through periods of time without focusing on anything or like really recognizing what's happening. And like, I mean, we talked about it like, you know, like a year ago, I was going through a really hard time, but like before that, the months leading up to that, I was like, I think I have ADHD because I can't focus on anything and I don't remember anything that I'm doing. And now in retrospect, it it wasn't ADHD. It was probably just the fact that I was severely depressed. I yeah, I don't I don't want to diagnose I don't know if it's uh depression or anxiety that uh or yeah, or anxiety that does that. I think again, not a doctor, I think it's anxiety that is it? Well, I mean, I definitely have both. Depression more makes you not do things. Anxiety and stress make you, like, I don't know, black them out or miss them. Because when you were explaining, you were like, hey, this crazy weird thing is happening. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you explained it, I was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're going to get that. That's uh, And it's going to get worse with time. So uh, it's you're not dying, but uh, you're for sure an yeah, adult I mean- with, like, depression and anxiety. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, though. Like, I feel like my depression is... It doesn't necessarily always prevent me from doing things, but it prevents me from, like, being there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's been my experience where it's like, I can I can go out and I, I can be with friends, and like, physically, but I'm just, like, not there at all mentally. And I don't retain anything from those experiences is basically, like where the memory loss comes from for me it's like i don't retain any of that shit because i'm not fully there present Mm. yeah and i mean there's a lot of i can remember times of like just like getting in my car after going to something being like well i i guess i went to that yeah right i guess that's what i was supposed to do even like, like watching hockey or like watching a movie when i'm like when i'm feeling like shit I'm doing that to like distract myself from feeling like shit, but the fact that I'm feeling like shit prevents me from like being there and experiencing it and like 
I'll watch hockey games, and at the end of the hockey game, I'll be like, I don't fucking, I didn't retain anything from that because yeah. I I wasn't paying it, I wasn't really paying attention. I had a super stressful experience last night, and uh, then I was reading after, and I just made myself put down the books. I was like, I every single word I have looked at has just like bounced off my yeah. stupid forehead and mm-hmm. back into the book. That's None of this is in here. I like. I'm going to start this. I was starting a new book. I'm going to have to start it all over, like from yeah. the from the top. Right. Yeah, and that's like that might be like the most frustrating thing too, because like you want to do that shit to escape feeling bad, but it won't allow you to do it. So that's like, I don't know. Like that that fucking bugs the hell out of me when I have this desire to like do shit and feel better. And my body just won't allow me to do it, or my brain won't allow me to do it. Yeah, it's fucked. I mean, like with anything, every day you'll come up with like a new strategy, or like, oh, maybe this is a thing that uh, will. I mean, I was at the movies, went to see the new Batman movie, (laughs) and uh, I bitch at the counters. (laughs) Yeah, is Pepsi okay? (laughs) No, I like. I I actually I didn't want to bring this up because it. it dips into some ageism that uh, I've really tried to move away from, but it, it was the Tom Hanks movie. It was the one where he plays Caillou, and uh, <laughs> he's just crying about everything the whole time. And uh, in front of me, a few rows in front of me, there was a very old man, and to the right of me was an old woman. And I was like, pay attention to the movie. And not to the fact that you like this old woman way more than you like this old man. <laughs> this old woman and I were on the exact like, same I, wavelength. I like to believe that you were sitting in between a couple, like an old couple. <laughs> <laughs> they were both in bad, yeah. One was in a bad mood for some reason. The other one was like, yeah, no, this is cool. What a, ooh, little young man. Although she's telling this story, she'll be like, hey, a middle-aged guy. Was in my row. She's not saying like this young guy. I don't know, man. To, to classify you as middle aged is tough. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Like people... four years younger than you, or something like that. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't want to be that close to being classified as middle aged. I told you forever ago, and maybe maybe like I had a, maybe I had like a slightly more accepting viewpoint, but probably not by much. Uh, I remember you you were talking about somebody in our industry or something and you were like, yo, do you know that that person is and you said whatever age. And I know I exactly like, who it was. Yeah. And I was like, I'd be careful with that, man. Like that's I was like, I'm going to be at that age. Not too soon, but like, what do you think? Like, I'm either going to die or I'm going to turn oh, that no. age. I, and then you're it, going to turn that age. Yeah. I thought you're. T- I, I don't know who you're talking about now because I thought you were talking about somebody young. Like, if I, I can be honest, you've done it a couple of times. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, with that's a few probably. different people. I mean, age no, surprised but, me at this point because I don't ever think about anybody's age. Yeah, unless they're like clearly very young. I honestly, not to pat myself on the back, like I have been like, hey, uh, why don't you move away from the ageism thing that yeah. all young people. Like, I used to be... Did I ever tell you about the time I was quoted in the Boston Herald as a kid? No. I was quoted in the Boston... No, the Boston Globe. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember this. We had a program called Blast from the Past. Shout out Brennan Fraser, <laughs> And uh, 
elderly people came to our classroom and we did stuff with them, played cards with them, raced them, won famously. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, and a reporter from the Globe came and was asking kids for quotes. <laughs> Good idea. And I said something to the effect of, this is, oh, I'm having such a fun time. These lovely people. I mean... It's too bad they're going to die soon. <laughs> honestly, I don't know if that's if that would be better or worse than what I said. I said, I, I always assumed old people were worthless. Oh, my God. And the guy fucking quoted me. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. That's like an incredible quote to be able to include in your newspaper. Like, that guy was probably like, hated being there and hated the fact that that was his assignment. And then you, that came out of your mouth and he was like, fuck yes. This is the only thing that's going to make it worth it and redeeming for me. He gets back to the offices <laughs> and the editor's like, how's that old people co- story coming along? And for the past like few weeks, he's been like, I just need more time. I need more time. And he's been like, well... We're, it sounds like it's really coming along. We're giving you the front page. And he's like, I need more time. It's every single movie where somebody is writing a story. They need more time. And for some reason, them needing more time means the paper wants to make it a front page story. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of being like, well, it sounds like this person's really struggling with this story. They don't seem to have anything. Good news. Talk to the, talk to the editor. They're going to give you the front page. So yeah, the front page of the Boston Sunday Globe was my face being like, "Bean, old people worthless." <laughs> I tried I to, it. I tried to look up that story years ago because I wanted to, I wanted to give it to my parents for like their a anniversary birthday. or yeah. a birthday or something because they were, they were apoplectic. <laughs> they were so. Like, I remember a guy, a, a neighbor was like. My dad was mowing his lawn and a neighbor was like, hey, Bean, how old are you? Are you worthless yet? Like mocking my family. (laughs) That's incredible. I brought my family great shame. That is so good. I love that. But the the story, uh, mercifully, I don't know if they were, if like the the globe was trying to get away from their dark past of (laughs) quoting children saying horrible things, but they couldn't find it. Which was good and bad, because like years later, framing that being like, "Hey, let's cancel DJ from when he was in third grade." Yeah, that's uh, that's all gone. Speaking of, uh, Brendan Fraser won't stop crying. Yeah, so that's can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, and and like now I've seen some some takes on Twitter where it's like people are saying that. Uh, like the general public or the critics or whatever are babying Brendan Fraser, kind of treating him like a, like a make a wish kid. Is one that's of the, the that's that I been saw. the phrasing. Everything has said uh, you're treating him like a make a wish kid, or uh, Hollywood's or people's tug people's uh, propensity for treating Brendan Fraser like a make a wish kid is weird. Stop treating Brendan Fraser like a make a wish kid. I don't think that that's true. Like I I mean I don't I don't I do. see it that I don't see it that way. I like I don't see it as a celebration that like wow, this guy is like uh like I don't I, I like how how do you see it as a make a wish thing, I guess? Okay. So well, first I'm going to weigh in on the uh request to stop well, treating Brendan Fraser like a make a wish kid. 
No. <laughs> I'm for sure going to keep treating Brendan Fraser the way that I'm treating him. Well, yeah, but and so, to say that you're doing something like something is not saying that you're making Brendan Fraser a Make-A-Wish kid. That's that's my point on the whole thing. Like, well, I treat a waiter like I treat a friend's new boyfriend in that I want us to have a good experience. I'd like for there to be a friendly interaction. I'm not... I don't think that they are the exact same thing, but there are similarities in how you treat the person. I don't think that Brendan Fraser is a dying child. Yeah, but and I, and I, I don't treat like the idea Brendan of Fraser like... with some celebration for what for how they're persevering. Obviously, they're persevering in extremely different ways, but there, yes, there is a similarity in celebrating somebody who's been through some fucking shit. It's not yeah. the same, but the like. Why are people blah, blah, blah. like there is a there is an answer to why they've right. been through some shit and you're happy to see them there. Yeah. And, and like, I guess my big pushback on like the make a wish thing is like the make a wish thing is like giving somebody something like like, you know, like giving somebody an experience, awarding somebody an experience where like Brendan Fraser earned like is is overdue for that comeback and earned that comeback and like seeing him be emotional because he didn't think that he would get there like that's where the make a wish thing kind of maybe um ties in where it's like you you didn't think that you'd get to experience this you didn't think that you'd get to do this and you're emotional because of that like that's good i think that it's fine to celebrate somebody and be like totally happy for a guy who keeps crying because he never thought that he would get to be at that point again. He can't stop crying. And whether it's he accepted a Critics' Choice Award the other night and he was emotional the whole time. Or I, just, I cannot push this Hollywood Reporter roundtable on people more strongly than I am. I'm doing full court press on this. I've watched it once all the way through. And a second time in bits and pieces, it's uh, Kihi Kwan... Austin Butler, Adam Sandler, Brennan Fraser, uh, Colin Farrell, Jeremy Pope. I forget if anybody else is there, but it's amazing. And they all seem like such fucking good people. And yeah, maybe you don't care as much about like the Austin Butler parts, but... But he like deserves to be there. Like, yeah, and he's, he's been still... one of the most dis- discussed right. actors and you want like a... Um, a wide variety of people in on that discussion. Right, and he was in... He was good in Elvis. Like people, right, uh, yeah. the, the people have kind of uh, they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater there, and yeah, I, right. I can't remember if we discussed this on the podcast. But people like dismissing his performance is weird. Oh right, and, yeah, and you're, comparing you're, it to Rami Malek, like yeah. it's different. Like Rami um, Malek, bad in a bad movie. Austin Butler, good in a bad movie. That shouldn't be too difficult to discern. But he's still. I mean, his like he just hasn't had the ups and downs of even a Colin Fer- like Colin Farrell's perspective on life is super interesting i was saying the other day i feel not bad but like the the actors that i feel most passionately about and like most passionately root for have had some whether it's like substance abuse or something like have really kind of uh been in the the throes of uh addiction or whatever like affleck Colin Farrell, like you, you just they speak and your heart breaks, even though they're yeah. just saying like, "Hi, how are you?" You know, right. they've, they've been through shit, and everybody loves a, re- a good redemption story, right? So I feel maybe I feel uh, 
guilty for like holding against certain actors that maybe they're green or I don't know much about them. And um, it, it, it just, I don't know, it's stupid and immature to be like, Austin Butler, you were in a Disney thing, then you were in a play, now you're Elvis. Like, whatever, get to your point. Yeah. Totally unfair. Yeah. I, I mean, just going back to the Brendan Fraser thing, like, there are so many, so many things to be cynical about. So many things to be cynical about. I just don't think you need to be cynical there. Like, enjoy a guy having his moment, enjoy the comeback, and enjoy, like, a a great performance. I could understand if, if people were like, yeah, cool. Brendan Fraser is making a comeback, but like it wasn't that great of a performance. It was, he made a comeback and he fucking crushed it is absolutely going to be nominated for best actor and absolutely deserves to be nominated for best actor. Like this is the highest example of a like incredible comeback story. We can appreciate that. We should appreciate that. Yeah. We should be happy for him. Yeah, he. But it, it, in the in this roundtable, every time he speaks, even if he's not crying, his eyes are red, mm-hmm. and just he speaks so delicately. And if you if you watch this uh, Hollywood Reporter thing, you'll cry like a hundred times. I did. I'm and going to at some point. Adam Sandler doesn't need to be there. Like he's obviously earned being there, but. He's not definitely not as comfortable or just uh, like he, we love Adam Sandler because he's Adam Sandler. He's not super well spoken. He's not super eloquent. He probably uh, isn't or he from watching that he isn't is in um, as touch with his feelings as everybody else's. So like when Jeremy Pope is explaining like the ups and downs of life or Colin Farrell talking about coming back from being like the hot shit that got found out as being a bad actor who was just like cool for a second mm-hmm. or everybody like key Kwan talking about how he became a, uh, a, a, like a fight coordinator just because he wanted to stay in Hollywood. It's like uh, Adam Sandler's more kind of there being like, yeah, I mean, it's cool that I get to do these things. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the appeal of Adam Sandler to a lot of people is that he's just like an everyman and he's not like this like Hollywood eloquent dude. Yeah. He's just like, how the fuck did that schlub end up at a table with these guys? I'll tell you what, it makes you want uh, to be best friends with Colin Farrell because oh, in- I, I don't need to watch anything. I want to be best friends with Colin Farrell. I'll tell you that. But in an in as an endearing way as possible. He interrupts so much. So, like, people will... Be, so, like, Jeremy Pope is talking about, like, uh, you know what? Like, when I first... Uh, when, like, when I got out of film school, everybody told me, uh, don't tell people that you're gay because uh, this is how people see want to see a black actor in Hollywood. This is how people want to see a black man represented... Don't tell them that you're gay. So for years, I had to conceal who I was. And and like as he continues to speak, Colin Farrell's like, oh, man, <laughs> that's like, fuck, oh, brutal. Just like <laughs> the just like random interjection. They're like, think it, don't say it. And yeah. we all struggle with this. I at work, I got better at <laughs> Doing this like that, like, hey, like, if they're going, kind of let them go kind of thing. Mm. And 
whatever you feel like interjecting is probably already on the audience's mind. So you don't need to you, you don't need to always do it. But he but he's just like lost. He's just hanging on his every word. And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, man, I can't fucking imagine. I'm like, yeah, like none of us can imagine Colin. Like, yes. Yes, that is terrible. Uh I have like two actors in mind, and I think that we've maybe discussed both of them already. Um, like not not necessarily right now, but like in the history of the podcast. Like at the moment, I feel like two actors are kind of headlining their own renaissance in Hollywood. Colin Farrell is one of them. Do you know who the other one that's on my mind is? Headlining. Well, he has sort of like a similar trajectory as Colin Farrell. Other than Gerard Butler, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We're reviewing Plane today, by the way. Who is headlining their own renaissance? I'm sure I'll agree with it. Give it to me. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Eth- Ethan Hawke never really went away, but he... I, 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 I agree with it, but I can't really show the work. I, I feel like there was just a a gap in Ethan Hawke's um like his reign I suppose or like his his prominence or his status in Hollywood like obviously he was hot shit younger and then I think for a while he kind of was n- no longer maybe that was just like sort of like um fatigue or something but now he's taking smaller projects now he's kind of really like picking his bullets you're using his bullets in, in like very meaningful ways, so he's like demanding your attention again. Yeah, he was, he definitely. I mean, Boyhood was when 2013, 2014, 2015, something like that. That definitely, I think, marks a. I'd rather do good things and maybe in smaller roles. And around that time, he's also doing the Purge and stuff. So he's. Although the the, the, the first, the, not the yeah, first man, Purge, like, but like the original. Purge movie, I could see someone taking and being like, this is an interesting movie. So I don't count, I don't really count Boyhood, because Boyhood was such a long-term project that he was hot shit when he was cast. Oh, true, true, true. So, like, that's a different thing. Like, yeah, like, in the early in the early teens, like, of, like, 2010 teens, he wasn't doing shit. Really? I mean, th- 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 that could also just be something like good as shit, at simple least. as, like, having a kid or yeah. who knows. Yeah, he went a long time. Like, Juliet Naked, I'm looking at his, like, IMDb list. Juliet Naked in 2018 was, like, the beginning of the the Hawkesons. Ju- Juliet Naked is highly goaded. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I, I still... Watch that shit, like, once every, I don't know, ten months. (laughs) Well, speaking of things that you can watch once every ten months, the NFL playoffs are back, and... The big that playoff picture is locked and loaded, and the best place to go to for betting on the NHL on the NFL playoffs is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no sweat bet each day. Uh. 
of the wild card round, which was last week. So I don't know if that still applies, but try it out and see if it works for this round for too. Uh, we're big fans of the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, so go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code WASHED. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code WASHED. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We've got a bonus episode up on the return of Your Honor on Showtime on Patreon.com slash Listen to Brunch. I'm famously still between jobs, so uh, we always appreciate your patronage anyway, but support the show, blah, 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 blah. But uh, it's good to have Your Honor back and to do weekly episodes. We're doing them on – we're dropping them on Sunday because Your Honor famously – used to come out on Sundays and they brought it back for a second season and drop it Fridays, which is, I would I don't think like an movie. admission that they're like, this probably shouldn't have come back for a second season. <laughs> I don't know if it's that, that sort of admission, but I think it's an admission that people like to watch shit when they want to watch it. And the, you know, the practice of just releasing something on a Friday at any, like at no certain time, just being like, okay, here it is for the weekend. You know, it's it's just become like a weekend activity to watch a show. Well, Showtime's always been that way, where they put it up at midnight of the day it airs. Really? Is, they did that uh, like for season one of, of Your Honor? Yeah, because I, really? I was doing it for, was, uh, what's it called, was, um, what was the, the Nicole Kidman, uh, Hugh Grant one? Oh, the Undoing? The, that, the um, Was it The Undoing? Is that, is that what it was called? Yeah, the miniseries. Uh, was that Showtime? Was that Showtime? That, that might be, been. I think that's HBO, actually, maybe. I, I think it probably was HBO. But for sure, the final season of Shameless, I remember, it would just be... Yeah, it was HBO. Saturday night, and then it would... I'd be playing, like, Zoom poker with uh, the boys during quarantine or whatever, and I'd be like, oh, episode is up now. Might as well just watch it. Mm-hmm. So, Showtime's always kind on that. But we had a uh, a meaty discussion. Uh, meaty is the wrong word because uh, Brian Cranston will not he drink his insurance. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> he's he's not a, a meaty guy right now. But he's getting out of prison. We do know that something's mm-hmm. gonna happen, and then we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Hector Salamanca join the fray. It's already getting out of hand it really it did not take long to go off the rails but i'm very excited about where this is headed and how annoying it's gonna be you asked me to watch a show called the last of us Mm -hmm. on what was it on is it on hbo or showtime all right i was not able to catch it but maybe for a future episode we can discuss that we did see plane though fuck you did you not watch the last of us no i watched it I don't think you did. Yeah, did you? It ha- yeah, it had. Um... Oh, it had uh, Pedro Pascal. It did. No, yep. like, be serious. Did you watch The Last of Us? Yes. Did you? Yeah. Prove it. <laughs> okay. It opens on. It opens on some nerds talking about science. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to 
maybe 30 years later and some nerd is having breakfast and this other nerd comes in. He's like, I got to work a job today. And then another nerd comes in and he's like, you're going to let me work that job too. And one of the nerds is like, how many, how many people are we going to have on this job? And then... Uh, all right, you're off to a good start. I'm, then like, one of the nerds <laughs> goes away all day. God knows what she's doing. Um, and then she gets a, a watch fixed. Okay. And then there's chaos in the streets. Actually, I'm starting to think that you actually did watch this show. There's chaos in the streets, Pete. All, right. all these nerds crashing cars into each other. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, and it's based I'm, on a video game. It is based on a video game. So... I I genuinely would have been very upset had you not watched the show, and I made that very clear. And I'm I'm still not I'm still not like totally convinced that you watched the entire <laughs> show. <laughs> but the fact that you were able to like at least show your work a little bit is is impressive. But yeah, I would have been very upset if you didn't watch the show because like I don't want the podcast to be only things that like you're willing to watch. That would be a terrible podcast. It wouldn't be a terrible podcast. It would just be, I a, think it would be a lopsided, unfair yeah. podcast. And as a listener, I'd be less incentivized to listen if it was like, hey, it's these two guys. Uh, it's Content-wise, it's for sure bogarted by one of them. Yeah, that's, yeah, like that's one not... of them thinks that only his taste matters, and so they can only discuss the things that he likes. No, it's good if both of us think only art. Like if if I think only my taste matters, that's okay as long as you think only your taste matters. And then maybe like we're button heads about a bunch of stuff, but that doesn't work because we have very similar taste. Right, and like because of that, when you recommend something, I'm willing to check it out because I'm like, hey, DJ likes it. There's a pretty good chance that I'm gonna like it as well. Yeah. So that was the last of us. We both liked Fuck it a lot. You. <laughs> Did you actually enjoy it? At, five like, bags. <laughs> five bags and a and a what? Five bags and a um maybe one of those little screwdrivers they use to fix like watches and eyeglasses. Okay, I would say I would say five bags and um a Ziploc bag because he wanted a Ziploc bag. Back. Yo, yeah, what's that about? So in the game, I think it was a nod to the game. Because in the game, like, scavenging is really, really important, and you have to, like, make sure that you have supplies to fashion shit and to keep all your supplies together, um, because shit is hard to come by. So uh -huh. I did I did interpret that as, like, a, hey, shit's hard to come by, so Can give me I... that plastic bag back. So I'll be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll say why I, while I think this is, like, a better version of The Walking Dead... I still have such Walking Dead fatigue and uh, resentment towards the Walking Dead that I mm -hmm. already find myself blaming the or taking things out on The Last of Us that The Last of Us did not do. So I, I I've seen the general reaction has been that this is one of the great premieres and that it's incredible and i know that a lot of that comes from people who already have some sort of emotional attachment to the show which i don't discount like i yeah. the the great thing about a, a new heim album is i love heim and now i get to hear more music from them so right. i never discount that sort of thing i just note that i don't have it so don't let me 
Like, don't let me get in the way like of poop on my party of yeah. y'all's enjoyment. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be on this ride, and I'm sure that I'm gonna get caught up, and I'm gonna love it. Uh, just so far, I feel like it can't register that that way with me. You know, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Like no, like because I know the story and I know how great the story is. Uh, and based on the way that it started, like I have some faith in them being able to tell it in the way that I hope that they tell it. Um, but I, I do understand having reservations based on your experience with other with other things like like The Walking Dead, which I think that there are like parallels in terms of the story, obviously. So I don't blame you for having those reservations, but I do think it's very impressive to to put out like a premiere like they did where it it very much appealed to both the people that are already invested and the people that maybe have higher expectations for the series and also the people that are going in blind. Yeah, yeah. And I could see people who maybe haven't seen The Walking Dead watch that and be like, oh, wow, give me that for sure. Because I remember the first time I watched The Walking Dead, uh, this was a uh, hundred years ago, but my roommate was watching it and it was a random episode and I was just sitting in the room for a few minutes and I was like, I think I got to watch this show. I don't get what's going on here, yeah. but this is so, something. But, I mean, but I mean, the, you also have to recognize that the walking dead did have an incredible, like first two yes, seasons, right? This was one this, and a half seasons. This was season two. So and I was then, like, this is amazing. And then like the people that were running the show exited. Yeah. So that was a fucking mess of, uh, of leadership and of, the direction and i guess i have more faith or at least i hope that um the last of us will have a consistent direction and consistent leadership what if they what if their leadership leaves after like a season but they get frank darabont <laughs> i would be, be like a twist i'd be like mm, there's uh there's a chance that this could still be very good based on the way that he did the walking dead he'd be like i finally get to do my good middle seasons <laughs> Right, I finally get to uh, to do a good zombie show after a first season. But I mean, I, I'm interested. I'm looking forward to seeing the the next one. So you were you were pleased, very pleased. Yeah, I thought that the I thought the first episode was great. Interesting, interesting. Did you not think that it was well, like no, would no, you no? Say that it was great. Would you say it was very good? Would you say it was good? It's weird. Like I should be able to just I should be able to get it through my own. Uh, like lens of I don't understand the whole thing. I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of hesitant to to be blown away by it because I feel like I don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I mean I don't. I don't think I was I entertained guess. the whole way. Yeah, I, I mean I, I may have a better or like a greater appreciation for it, like knowing how it compares to the to the game. Like I appreciated a lot of things that they did that made it. Uh, like feel similar to the game, but also a new experience. The, like the car scene in which they're like trying to escape, yeah, um, escape Austin in the pickup truck felt very, very similar to like the experience of driving the truck in the game, and but like in a way that was that translated to the screen and was like, oh shit, this is extremely stressful and extremely. 
like authentic. And I really appreciated that. I also appreciated like some of the subtle nods and quote unquote Easter eggs that they had in the premiere that, uh, that, you know, if you not playing the game probably won't, won't recognize and understand. So like, I have a greater appreciation in that way, but I think just in general, it's a, it just like, it stands alone. How many episodes are there this season? Do you know? I do not. I would assume like 10. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm in and hell yeah. We'll, I got we'll worried for a second when you were like, yeah, all right, that does it for the last of us talk. The best, I mean, the, the best part is there's no way. And we experience this via text. There's no way for me to say to you, okay, I'll watch it because I sincerely, I wasn't even thinking about joking when I was like, when you were like, are you going to watch the last of us? And I was like, yeah, definitely. That was, I, I was actually saying, yeah, 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 definitely. Mm-hmm. But there's no way to not kind of partially take it as, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I do think that like, I, I like, I think that I trust your interest in things that people say are universally good. And the hype around The Last of Us has been insane like surprisingly insane even as somebody who was like this is the one thing that i circled on my calendar is like i need to fucking see this yeah um because i love like the last of us is one of my favorite games of all time so like seeing Seppenwall be like hey i never played this video game but this is an incredible incredible season of tv i didn't expect that level of praise but i trust your like interest in in understanding what that's about and like I do, I do understand. I do believe that you have an interest in Andor because of that. Because so many people are being like, Andor is just fucking incredible outside of Star Wars fandom. Uh, but I do think that you're more committed to the comedic bit of not watching Andor. So I mean, I did just uh, Andor is on Disney Plus. Correct. I did just uh, get Disney Plus back because I had a hankering for uh, watching the Beatles thing again and man i'd like for you to do that sometime but that's another thing where you'd probably be like this is cool footage of human beings and i'm de- it's definitely interesting but i feel bad because i don't know all these songs or something like that i, I think it would be like i understand that this is a very important <laughs> moment in pop culture and like i'm witnessing something that i i like shouldn't be able to witness and that feels special but I don't understand like the gravity of how important this is. We still got to get you on the Beatles, man. I mean, I think it's easy. Just do all the albums in order. And obviously they released a ton of singles. You Back then you would put out singles and then additionally you would put out albums. It wouldn't just be like a single the last, I don't know, bajillion years has just meant whatever song was your single. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, they'd be like, the, your single wasn't on your album. Those were different things. So they, yeah. they were putting out all sorts of I, stuff. But I did find it very interesting that like a, a week or two ago, you texted me and said, uh, hey, you should check out Bob Dylan. I think that you would love Bob Dylan. Oh, right. Yeah. And I I don't know. Like I, I, I just, you, you don't really do that very often. Like, at least with, with old... With, like, a big old, obvious thing? Yeah, with, yeah. like, a big... Like, you'll be like, hey, I, I found this new person or, like, this lesser-known thing. I think you'll like it. You don't usually do it with, like, really big icons 
Um, so the Bob Dylan thing was interesting to me. And just for anybody listening, like I've tried, I've tried Bob Dylan and I don't dislike Bob Dylan. I think Bob Dylan's a great songwriter, but my, my like stance on Bob Dylan is that I like Bob Dylan songs, but I prefer them when they're performed by other people most of the time, because, uh, Bob Dylan's singing voice is a barrier of entry for me. Yeah. I mean, that's not unfair at all, but, uh. I was listening to the to the D man, and I was like, "Yeah, this is like, this is nice, pleasant music with great lyrics." Pete would definitely like this, and I was like, "We've never talked about Bob Dylan before, outside of uh, when a million years ago you said your favorite uh, song by the band was Atlantic City," and I was like, "Ooh." Old dilly dilly Bobby Dill. <laughs> you were like, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, it's a Bob Dylan song. And that's what like, I mean what by I say, fuck? that's what I mean when I say that uh, I, I love Bob Dylan songs. Just the band did it better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the band rocks. Also, but I mean, the, I mean, they're obviously such a big part of the uh, Bob Dylan uh, universe that I would, although I was like, uh, I'm not a Dylan head. Um, I just don't know enough by him, but I for this? sure was a the band fan. Yeah, way before that, I. That's really... how I got you to. That's how I got you to listen to Houndmouth for the first time. I was yes. Like, I was like Houndmouth reminds me of the band. Yeah, that classic the band uh, comparison, um, which we discussed with them a little back in yeah. the day. Yeah, I, I think it's like almost impossible to escape. Probably that got annoying when for you them. Listen. When you, it's almost impossible to escape that comparison when you listen to Penitentiary. Penitentiary, yeah. Yeah, like it's an extremely the band song. Um, yeah. How about this take? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would love it if all Bob Dylan songs were covered by the Wallflowers. Yeah, like Jacob Dylan doing all Bob Dylan songs. Much better catalog. I'm sure there's some <laughs> stuff of him covering his dad and he probably didn't want to do it, but he's like people want it and mm-hmm. there will probably be money to be made here. Man, my browser right now is just all sorts of Brennan Fraser stuff, <laughs> but it's like pictures of him smiling and it makes me, it just warms my, my heart. Um, we saw plane. Want to talk about plane? plane? Let's talk about plane. Okay. Here it goes. All right, let's get this synopsis. Let's hear it. Dust off the old synopsis phalanges. I did see that you are like, you are really stressing about the synopsis, the synopsis game uh, lately. It's the like, money shot. It's the, it's what people, I mean, if you, you if you do the, on YouTube, the, uh, you know, if you drag the, the oh, yeah. thing, you could see the bumps to like the, like the most rewound feature or yeah. like portion of the video. Yeah. People it, drop you know out immediately after the synopsis. It's, it's somebody reading a script and being like, Oh man, this, this is probably the scene that will get the, uh, that will get the, either the trailer or the award show clip. Yeah. I, so I need to nail this. I need to nail this one. All right. Come on. And you I got to nail the synopsis. The, the feedback for the synopsis have been, huge it's all anyone can talk about and people who listen to the podcast people who don't listen to the podcast the only thing i walk down the street now people are like hey uh tell me about uh 
give me a Mrs. Doubtfire synopsis. And I'm like, ah, well, I usually go to a coffee shop and kind of hammer these out. I don't like to just do them off the top of my head. And they're like, do a Jumanji one. I'm like, why is it always Robin Williams movies? It's. There goes the greatest synopsis writer that ever lived. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Plane. When his plane gets struck by lightning, veteran pilot Brody Torrance must maneuver an impossible landing on an unknown island in Southeast Asia. Brody is focused on a safe return for his passengers, but this dangerous island and an unlikely teammate teach him the extreme meaning of fight or flight. Ho-ho! That last line is a fucking bar. Dude, I had to rewrite and like... My apartment is, is, I had to buy additional waste baskets because it's just crumpled up thing. Because I wanted, I needed to get, I kept putting in like, when a convicted murderer, blah, 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 like all this stuff. And I was like, dude, you just have to get fight or flight in there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that makes me feel like that the movie should have been named fight or flight. Like I, the movie was universally panned and mocked for, it being named plane like the i remember the tweet going around that was like you are never gonna believe the twist at the end of this trailer and it was just the fact that it was named plane um like not naming it fight or flight seems like a a real missed opportunity here i do have one complaint about your synopsis though okay calling him brody seems a little bit disrespectful like it should be captain captain Torrance. torrance yeah okay i I think that there's so much humanity in Captain Torrance's character that the viewer is left with a familiarity with him that makes him feel, that makes it almost familial. I I disagree, but I I do appreciate that counterpoint. (laughs) I I do appreciate uh, you're you're wiggling your way out of that one. I like defending uh, the synopsis with... Like movie critics speak. Yes, right. Yeah. Your point is taken. However, the depth that director hold on. Who directed this? The depth that director it's, it's like a French, French Jean name? Francois Richet yeah. injects into the our protagonist. It's it, it is very ironic that like uh I I believe that our approach to movie reviews is is sort of like an everyman's approach and yeah. you know being very all we can do be, being very down to earth and talking about movies not like critics but really getting into that mode when you're writing the synopsis which is usually the opposite which is just a way to a way to appeal to the general public uh on the Patreon you can request a synopsis for your favorite movie and I don't know how we could do this, but we'll print it out, sign it, frame it. $300? Yeah, yeah, that works. That I mean, we should do we talk about the coffee table book from forever ago, the Fun Facts Coffee Table book. What if we just did a oh. synopsis t- book? Synopsis book. A synopsis book would be great. Yeah. In which we I don't know if we would like we could do our own custom uh, like movie posters. I know that that was something that you were passionate about uh, mm-hmm. in the tom- Tomato Fights era, which it still exists, and we're going to do it again. But it's like, in a trans. It's there's 
Hiatus. More and big things to come from Tomato Fights, we'll say. Um, yeah, like doing custom movie posters with uh, custom synopsises. Yeah. Great. Maybe our, maybe in, like our rankings below our grades or something. Uh, it's something. There's something there, I think. We um, could do a game show called uh, Guess the Synopsis, where I'll give the synopsis and you versus a uh, a viewer or stream what do you call a participant sub person a, pa- a patron or a, somebody a sub- on the on, on like a twitch thing okay yeah then it's like a subscriber yeah a subscriber that's it uh you have to guess what the what the movie is from the synopsis i also thought of doing that uh recently one of those things that like interests me and Six of my friends, but probably not too many people. I want to screen grab the personnel of a song and say, what song is this? Interesting. So it'd be like, this person played drums, this person sang, this person, what song is this? Yeah, but then you can't There's like some interesting a, ones. You can't like include a band. And I, I feel like people collaborate together so often that there would be so much overlap that it would be very difficult to kind of pinpoint. But that, that's the thing. Like certain... That's right in in most cases, but say you take a, uh, say you take like a Billy Joel song, and it's like, ooh, th- but this person played harmonica on it. What song is this? Like, there isn't a harmonica on every Billy Joel song. Sh- shit like True. that. True. Uh, anyway, Plane is a seventy five on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety four audience score. That gives it a juicy brunch score. It's a mm-hmm. juicy. It's, it's it's only 19 the the brunch score of of this movie and uh I'll I'll tell you what stars Gerard Butler of course I quite rated this movie I've seen other people say this since I thought and texted this to friends but it it's just one of those they don't make them like this anymore sort of like early aughts action movie yeah, no, I, I I agree with with that stance. Um, it does have a lot of nostalgia appeal, but I don't think it was a very good movie. Uh, I, I think that it was. Um, did I say it was? Sorry, did I say it was very good? Or did I? Say, I can't remember. Did I say you, you I liked quite it rated or? it? You quite rated. Oh, it. Oh, right, right. So that so, that would mean that I'm saying it's good. Yeah. So I I think that it's a it's a pretty bad movie, um, and it's pretty dumb, but. I did have a good time. Like I, I was invested the whole time and there were very few points where I was like, all right, I, I, enough of this. It moves quite quickly, but they don't do a lot of things. Well, like I, I think that a lot of things about this movie are forgettable. So I didn't know that the plane lands in this movie mm-hmm. going in. Yeah, I, I just crash. I thought that it was a bunch of crazy stuff happening on a plane, and it's got initially oh. it's got such a small uh, crew. There's uh, very few passengers, and uh, I believe two. Uh, there's a co-pilot and a couple of uh, couple of uh, for flight the attendants. Here. Yeah, and there's a murderer on there as well. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, yes. I thought that a bunch of stuff happened on the plane. I didn't know that it was about a... They land relatively quickly, and it's more a 
honestly, it's got some Tropic Thunder to it, where they are dealing with some people who want them dead or to hold them hostage, and somebody who's maybe not super well trained for this moment has to play hero. And I love a good Gerard Butler action movie. You love a good Gerard Butler vehicle? Yes. Although this was not a good Gerard Butler vehicle. It, it was not. got struck by lightning. That's, it was at one point, but then it was a compromised vehicle. The vehicle's no good. Although, you know what? They were able to get some juice back into it. They were able to get some mm-hmm. power into the old bird. Here's a question um, about semantics. Um, what is the difference between a plane landing and a plane crashing? Because you can have a crash landing. Yeah. But you can have a crash that doesn't include a landing. I, I know what you're saying. La- a cra- crashing is landing. Because you there's some so? finality to the ride. Yeah. Although, no, no, <laughs> you could, no, no. But, but I mean, obviously, you could crash into something in front of you, which and would not. If the not... plane explodes, like, it doesn't really land. Right. Um, would you say that this plane crashed? No. You don't you wouldn't say you wouldn't consider this a plane crash? Uh it's a crash landing. Yeah, that's what I'm but you got the word crash in there, so is it a crash or is it not? Do the people on the plane get to say that they were involved in a plane crash? I think you and I both know which people on that plane will for sure be saying <laughs> Oh, I was in a big plane crash. Which like, yeah, you know, you you were. I'm not I'm not actually dismissing that I, yeah, you could say that you were in a plane crash. Yeah, I, I would agree, but I, I think it's an interesting discussion. Do you think that Gerard Butler, his character, no. would, would openly volunteer that he like was in, once involved in a plane crash? He would vehemently deny that he was in a plane crash. He would say, I landed that plane. Well, not some to- of the some of the passengers are quite ungrateful. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, yes, that is that was like one of my big takeaways. It was like, yo, what the fuck? Like the guy from the office who's taking a poop when uh, Jim and Pam go to look at the daycare place. I don't remember uh, this. He's he, well, he's like the the real asshole passenger. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like what? What do you not know how to fly the plane? And it's like, dude, the fucking plane broke. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was that was a little bit stunning to me. Is like how ungrateful like most of the passengers were that this plane went down and the pilot fashioned a miraculous crash landing you're all still alive right that's that has got to be the only thought that going through your mind is like i fucking hope that i live through whatever this is as the plane is going down and as soon as they landed they were like oh i'm not at my destination uh they don't have any sort of communication and they don't know the island location they just know that they've landed somewhere. They got a map. They can kind of guesstimate, but they can't communicate with uh, anybody back home. And the airline knows that it lost this the plane. It lost calm at a certain time and in a certain place. They they got to find this plane. So that's where Tony Goldwyn comes in. And I didn't know he was in this movie, but <laughs> me neither. But I was so happy when I, I saw wanted him. to stand up and cheer. Perfect. As you know, Tony Goldwyn plays a president in something he once famously said (laughs) 
incredible. Devotees uh, of the podcast will remember that when uh, Joe Biden was uh, for the Joe Biden inauguration, they had this weird streaming thing that was hosted by Tony Goldwyn, and he said, "Now I may be known for playing a president, but let's give it up for the real president." And I was no, like, "The only reason anybody was watching that shit was because of." Um, the new radicals. Yeah, the new radicals the, were going to perform. The new radicals performing, and this guy was hosting it, and boy, he was fucking milking his screen time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And our big takeaway was, who the fuck is this guy, and why does he think we should know who he is? I will revise, looking back in hindsight, Tony Goldwyn, I respect him. Yeah, we were like, yo, the guy from the Belko experiment is... Uh, <laughs> Kind of going long and mighty here. Kind of going long on this. Could you get to? Could you get to the <laughs> radicals, please? Uh, but he is tasked with coming in, and basically his job is to uh, tell uh, Paul Ben Victor's character, "You guys don't know what you're doing. What kind of shitty airline is this?" And then he's like, "Paul Ben Victor is like, oh right. Uh, let me get on the phone with somebody. Hey, what are we doing?" What kind of shitty airline are we? And Tony Goldman's like, no, no, no. I was yelling at you. This is your part of the, the problem here. But a uh, big fight ensues on the island. And uh, the alleged murderer, who admits that he's a murderer, right? Or no, no, no. He's his wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. They don't yeah. really get into that. And that's that's my one of my biggest complaints about this movie is that, like, the characters are so shallow for the most part. Like, the characters stink – even one of like the most important ones, I would say like he becomes the most important character uh, to like the latter half of the story. Oh, yeah. He's the only shot of anybody getting off that island. Right. And you you don't know anything about him. Yeah. But I, but I mean, maybe – hold on. Maybe perhaps director Jean-Francois Richet chose to keep – the character of uh, Louis Gaspar, uh, a, a bit a, mysterious, a mystery because like you, because you in the in the shoes of the people that are with him. All you're given is a label with him: murderer, convict. Yeah, he's but they, the like, person they you need to trust, you, though. They tease you with like the relationship between Gerard Butler and him, and like figuring out where where the misconception comes from or or like things like that and they never really get into it and that feels that feels a a bit disappointing and a bit unfulfilling and so like that's my complaint and like i don't give a shit about any of the passengers because they don't have any sort of humanity to them i got None a little i got a little npc empath uh in me when the bad guys come take the, the all the people hostage and uh gerard butler and uh the, the murderer are watching from a distance they're hiding and then once everybody leaves there's a few bad guys back there i don't know cleaning up or something mm-hmm. and uh the murderer shoots them except for one and they, they got to squeeze some information out of him and the guy complies and then the murderer goes takes him out in the woods and shoots him and there's a shot of gerard butler as that's happening where he's like you know what 
I really wish we had silencers or something because I <laughs> wanted to pretend that that's not what was happening. But that's yeah. what had to, to happen. I'll say Gerard Butler was very good in this movie. Gerard like, Butler rocks, man. He was really good in this movie. I've been very uh, – I think that he's been very bad in several movies that he's been in in the past. Um, he was really good in this one. I thought, I liked the cast a lot. I just thought that there wasn't a ton of depth to the characters. Like, the characters that I felt like I was most invested in were uh, at airline headquarters. Like, Paul Ben Victor, yeah. I always have a soft spot in my heart for He's that great. guy yeah. because of uh, Spiros from, from The Wire. And ah, uh, yes. And Tony Goldwyn, I, we already went over that. Love that Legend. guy. And them just con <laughs> them just constantly shitting on the dude who told him to fly through the storm oh. was the best part of the movie for me. Chunked they, it. Were, they were like, oh, Mr. Fucking Mr. Meteorologist has an opinion, huh? Man. <laughs> I, I thought that was the, I thought that was fucking great. Uh outside of that, I didn't I didn't love too many of the characters. And uh like the story was was compelling um but like the the action and the characters was there's was a, a, a little bit to be desired there for me this film had a budget of 20 to 25 million dollars thus far at the box office has grossed 1.2 billion dollars uh what do you give it on letterboxd uh, i gave it a two and a half stars on letterboxd out of five I'm such an asshole. I just said that it grossed $1.2 billion to see if you were listening. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I knew that you were like getting ready. You were like seeing like our what did I give it on Letterboxd. Uh, it's grossed uh, $12.7 million. So okay. the night is young though. Yeah. I mean, the fact that this movie made money, um, I think is good because I do want to see. Well, it hasn't made bad. So it's its budget was $25 million. And you said it's it grossed. You said oh, it grossed. Let me see. Well, it says box office twelve point seven. That has to be gross, right? No, no. All right, so if, if, if it hasn't it made if money, it, if it makes twelve point seven million then against against a twenty five million dollar budget, it has lost but, money. But I don't, when it says box office, I don't know if that's saying what it's grossed or just how much it's brought in total. I would assume I it's, that it's just it, what it's brought what it's in. in total. Yeah. yeah, and so I want this movie to make money because I want um, I want movies to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, why not? Like I'm I'm down to see more movies like this, like like true throwback early aughts, uh <laughs> like shitty action movies that just hold a warm place in your heart. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. Um so like I want I want it to succeed. I don't want to see it fail, but I don't think that it was very good and um I think that you can do like an early aughts type feeling movie more effectively. <laughs> You gave it two and a half? I did. I gave it three and a half. Okay. Just a fun time. I know it's not a great movie, and three and a half is probably the maximum you can give a movie that you know isn't great. And that's what I'm giving it because I just had so much fun with it. Man, nonstop action. A real uh, white knuckle ride. That's right. Uh, this movie does introduce the idea of, um, of, of clapping. After uh, a successful oh, yeah. a successful plane landing, yeah. But I, I thought it was very funny that um, it didn't happen after the first time. I'll say that. Oh no, they were pissed. Yeah, they were very mad. So uh, I thought I thought it was. I just thought it was. It was very funny that it it required like two miraculous plane landings for them to to clap. Uh, last 
question I have, and it's about The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Do they ever play video games in The Last of Us? Like in this show, will video games exist? Obviously, it's set in the future, and that uh, they're things are a bit uh, less technologically strong. But like in that before time, where they're fixing mm-hmm. watches, do video games exist? Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's uh, 2003, so like it's probably like early stage video games. But the sense that I get from, but but I'm just saying, like I I I don't mean like in the world. I mean in the Last of Us universe. Oh no, and I I I have not come across an experience in which they play in which it's like meta in which they're playing video games inside the video game. Yeah, I'm just saying if it's gonna be really real life sort of stuff, they they had DVDs. They did have um I, I I don't know if it was DVDs, but they had VHSs. Oh no, they, oh, no, they had they had DVDs. You're right, you're right. Yeah, they was, fire uh, up a DVD, a mm-hmm. David as we used to call them. Yeah, uh, it it very much feels like a uh, pop culture is stalled uh, okay. after after the the apocalypse <laughs> type uh type event. But um yeah, like pop culture exists. 